Welcome, listeners, to the 35th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about the paper legacy. My name is Victor Berhards. With me, as always, are Robinson Sien and Christoph Wikström, both of the mighty wizards with cats. We all have cats, actually. Well, the very best of welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello, everybody. Hello, I hope you're doing well. Yeah, Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Deck tab. In today's episode, we will discuss the paper play of the week and discuss how that felt after the recent banning of Ragavan and Nimble Pilferer. Then we sit down with the Basic Land Connoisseur panel to talk about which basic lands to play in Esper Vile. Robin, tell us about how your first week in the new world went. Well, as I was uh, talking about last episode, I was keen on playing Thoughtseize decks in the post-ban world, and that's what I slaved up for the local game store play last Thursday. I put together my Rainbow Depths deck and uh, succeeded to do a 4-0. So I can go through the deck a little bit quick. It's four Dark Depths, four Thespian Stages, four Vampire Hex Mages, four Crop Rotations and four Sylvan Scryings. And then there's four Thought Seas, two Inquisitions and two Duresses, two Stifles, three Not of This World and two Pithing Needle. And then there's the uh, Mana Base, uh, four Mana Confluence, four Gemstone Mines, four Lotus Petals, four Elvish Spirit Guides, four Urboys, Caracas, Boyukabog, Ghost Quarter, Sejir Step and uh, Javimaya, which I'm testing in the flex slot. It could also be a city of brass if you want to have one more rainbow land. And uh, then there's the sideboard, seven card against combo, that's four ley lines and three flusterstorms, and eight like cards of different kind of protection. Two fling, two safekeepers, two additional pithing needles and two force of vigors. Can we Take a moment and appreciate how compact this deck is. Yes, I was just going to say, four of this and four of this and four of that. Yeah, it's no, uh, it's like straight business. I really like it. I mean, like the like the, the protection package, if you think about the normal combo deck, like I think TES plays six pieces of, of, of protection and uh, Ant maybe plays seven or eight, something like that. This is eight discard, two stifles, three are not of this world, pithing needles, <laughs> and, and, and the entire like uh, crop rotation into Sergei's step or crop rotation into a ghost quarter to kill Caracas, for instance. So so many pieces that interacts. Yeah, it's super cool. I I really like how uh, like it, it presents the combo so quickly and then also like does such a crazy good job at just defending it and. Uh, when you're just going through, you know, eight discard, you had two stifles and not of this world, it kind of feels like in Blues Brothers when they're just ramming through the mall, like this place got everything. And it's it's uh, extremely sweet. And yeah, I can definitely see how now when, when it's safe to play discard again, uh, you know, Veil isn't really showing up as much anymore which might change but it's uh it's super interesting and also like getting veiled when you're discarding if you're not a hemming and you haven't really invested that much it's it doesn't feel great but it's uh, like incomparable to getting ragavan thoughtseized if the thoughtseized decks really take a huge chunk of the meta i guess that that veil can come back but when I have sleeved up Veil, I always think that it should have been a Flusterstorm instead, if I'm also on blue. Because uh, need to counter, uh, the spells not just protect my own counter magic often. 
But uh, the matchups were uh, Death and Taxes, which I succeeded to win both games. No surprises there? No, I mean, if you play the slow depth version, it's a quite a rough matchup with all the flicker effects and all of that, but you are just so fast and have so many interaction points that it's, it's, it's pretty safe. And also, in the post-board world where you can bring in fling, the, the thing that you do could just be like, secure a pithing needle and then just make land drops, make Merit Legion fling it. I mean, the, if they have a plow, maybe they can plow their own creature to gain a little bit of life. But aside from that, there's almost no answer to that line. Yeah, like a lot of times you don't really have to go for the fling either. You can just sit with it. And uh, like, are you going to take 20? For them to get to that state, it might require a lot. But it's it's super cool that you took, took both games like uh, at first glance, it feels like a really tricky matchup, but that's mainly due to how used I am to seeing the slow version. But the fast version is actually the only version that I've played uh, myself. I haven't uh, played a slower version. I'm more into this style of death, which, uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate. Yeah, I mean, the slow slow version is sweet, but I don't think it's the same power level. The second matchup was against elves, and that is a little bit of two guys playing solitaire, to be honest. But having the discard package at least is something, because... In one of the games, I was able to discard a natural order, which bought me the time that I needed. But we we are approximately at the same speed, so it's very much about keeping good hands and uh, draw go uh, matters a lot. Third game was against the new like uh, it's not new but in new in vogue Hullbreacher ending. What is it called? The fish door. The day 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 some doing and. I've heard someone call it eight Narset. <laughs> I like that, or something like that. It doesn't. It doesn't play that many copies, but it's like, uh, yeah. If if you've seen uh, some Jeskai builds running around with, you know, Hull Breachers, Narsets, and Days Undoing, it's uh, it's that deck, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that that matchup is a little bit tricky because they have both answers and counter magic, and. Post-board, they also have Blood Moon. And I lost one of the games to the entire combo. Uh, but, I mean, that game was already lost with Teferis in play and that kind of stuff. It, it, it invalidates a lot of the answers that I have. But I managed to, to take two of the games anyway. And then in the finals, I faced up against uh, Painter, Monored Painter. And uh, that is also quite a cool matchup, in my opinion. Both combo decks, both quite interactive and uh, quite fast. And... It was a nail-biter. I had presented Merit Lage, and he had a draw step, and if that would have been a painter, he would have won it. So it was, like, really interesting. But I managed to take that down with 2-1 as well. We've been grinding that matchup a little bit, me and Christopher. I'm I'm really not sure about the the sideboard plan there. I I brought in ley lines and all different stuff to to sort of combat uh, the bridge. And like the recursion of the bridge with the goblins. But then Karn can wish it from exile. So it's a little bit iffy to, to exile it with the ley line. Uh, not really sure which is correct there. Yeah, for sure. Like, And also like uh, Karn wishing for it and then them getting a turn. It's, it's also asking for a lot. Um, like mana, that's quite mana intensive. And uh, when we played, I think how the painter deck... I think uh, the hope 
was playing famous cast uh, friend of the cast uh, the hope andreas i think he's playing a bit more of like an up-to-date painter list than i did when we played the matchup it was uh, mine was quite heavily leaning into ursa sagas and i also played like played like a lion's eye diamond to enable really fast kills like you only need one with ursa sagas in the deck he was running that as well oh right oh uh, yeah but then yeah because uh, that matchup when we played it felt extremely even because both it's kind of like a solid air matchup as well only that it's a bit more interactive than elves versus deaths yeah i mean uh, they uh, like they have so many answers with the bridges of course but then also if they get a painter in play all of the blasts become like instant speed vindicates on your depths my main plan was just make a merit leech and try to deal with the bridges after that and not really worrying about getting merit leech bound to something like that you have to just make it as quickly as possible but uh, yeah that was my play at the local game stores and then we played a little bit of like uh, kitchen table games within our group but i will leave that uh, to your resume instead congratulations on the enormity of your success robin well represented christopher did you get to score any W's for the team? So this week I only played against uh, Robin on Discord. Now when Ragavan is, is banned, I decided to pick up Blue Red Delver and try it out. Because I really appreciate the Delver playstyle. Uh, but Ragavan kind of sucked the fun out of it for me. First, I like the first games I ever tried was against 8cast. And I got pretty dunked on chalice sigh just drawing a lot of cards i'm not sure how many games we played but i think i maybe won one (laughs) or something i definitely got dunked on pretty badly it it felt really like one-sided when they started to get the engine going like when robin you know landed the chalice and uh, you know started making scary things happen like uh Emery is just a nightmare to play against uh, because you really need to bolt it. And if a chalice is in play, like so many things are just extremely hard to deal with. Um, you know, Psy being a 1-4 is massive against your bolts. And uh, yeah, like you really have to rely on your super early frets. But whenever that chalice sticks, it's uh, it's always going to be a feel bad. Yeah, and... and uh... The uncounterable shadow spare of the Ursa Saga trigger is really tricky yeah. as well. Like that's that's also a massive pain. But those games were really interesting. I did some sideboard jukes that I thought might help. Uh, I had like a, a second uh, Brazen Borrower in the deck. Uh, I played one in main. And I brought in two Meltdowns and, you know, three, three additional Blasts. I was sitting on a lot of really, you know pretty solid cards i don't think i ever saw a meltdown in our games but then again i did keep some sketchy hands like four science hands and got mega punished but those games were super interesting and then we played uh, i stuck with my guns and tried out blue red delver once again and played against the band control and uh, i think we might have played six or seven games and I got dunked on the first four or five, but then I managed to squeeze in the last two. And I think it's it's also like a really tricky matchup. Uh, it has a lot of removal, 
it was one of those scenarios, like in one of the games, where I got to surgical the Uros really, really early. And he had resolved a carpet of flowers. And I got to see his hand, which had like quattle, double endurance and stuff like that. And I was just looking at my frets and like, oh man, I'm never getting through. But those were really interesting. And I think I started to understand the matchup better towards the end, like what I needed to do. And... Uh, like what what spells really matters but yeah i i might need to look into some uh, you know sideboarding guides or something like that before trying that again i sent in our internal little chat uh, i i sent a meme that i did was uh, you know when batman is slapping robin i sent a picture with just text over batman which was like robin on bant and <laughs> me on robin like me me as robin like Christopher on Blue Red. But yeah, those were really fun games and I'm really excited to try more Blue Red Del route. But I'm I'm also looking at uh, some really spicy brews that I'm working on currently. One which has a new card from Kamigawa in it, which I'm not going to go into now. So, yeah, that was uh that was my paper this week. What about you, Victor? I heard about some potential play at your end. Yeah, yeah. I also did some kitchen table play with Robin uh, at my actual kitchen table at a lunch because we we're so close neighbors. You could just scoot over. <laughs> also introduced Robin to my cat, uh, which uh, was on the carnage mode for the entire play <laughs> session. Don't keep your dice out uh, if the cat's awake is um, my pro tip from this week's Magic the Gathering play. <laughs> no, but I wanted to uh, try out the... Um, uh, recent, uh, most recent build of my Rector Fit, which again features two copies of Pernicious Deed, as there is, in my view, so many sort of so much zero or one mana cost things going around these days that Pernicious Deed seems to be better than in quite a while. And it would have been if Robin wasn't playing uh, seven counter spells in his uh, eight cost deck. And um, it's interesting, it felt like sort of playing the Nickfit deck pre-Ragavad and all that shit, in a way. That sort of, the deck has some really good potential, but you're very weak to counter magic. You've solved the counter magic problem in terms of, you can cast your creatures through Cavern of Souls and Ancient Tomb. You supposedly should be able to uh, also make them go by casting your... um, Cabal Therapy from the Grave doesn't really matter if you counter it because you have to sacrifice trigger. But Acos plays Chalice of the Void and that makes that plan more difficult. Which means that, so I was thinking, should I put sort of Veil of Summer in my deck? Is the time for that? But then again, against a Chalice deck, that might not be worth it. On the other hand, we played just three games and Robin won 2-1. The games that I that I won and the other the third game that I felt sort of I could have taken it. I had some sort of some fighting chance. The Chalice actually hampered robin more than me as it turned out so uh i mean right now uh, i'm trying a removal suite of three swords to plowshares two pernicious deed two assassin's trophy and one vanishing worse and also two grist uh, the hunger tide which of course is a bit of a different type of removal but still could remove things uh, should they need to and i i'm still happy with sort of how i how i have constructed the deck i lean slightly more into planeswalkers than i do into curses uh, i know people right now are trying a very cursey build with um 
podcast like Once Upon a Time, which were also considered, and uh, Omniscience, Living Wish, um, Emrakul, which I used to play. But I'm more happy with the Planeswalker heavy style because I want the baby Ugins to shine because they are so good when they resolve. So all in all, I'm sort of I'm still pretty happy where the deck is as it is. At the same time, it does feel a bit like playing a Maverick deck. It's sort of you have some really good things going on, but you are really not playing blue, nor are you cheating in any way. <laughs> you're not sort of oh, man. putting you're not putting Gristle Brand into play on turn one and so that such things. You're sort of you're playing very honest magic to gathering and that sometimes protects you from winning <laughs> what about europe how do you feel the our match has played out i can agree with some to some extent uh, with that notion i mean even if you are cheating uh, enchantments and uh, and uh, planeswalkers into play it feels like a quite a fair deck and like uh, when you get that cavern into play and uh, you just have like uh, a tower to sacrifice or a cabal therapy in the grave I really don't have any answers to any of that play. I just have to sit through it. But aside from that, matchup felt favorable for Midcast because you are so fast out of the gates and you also have the possibility of Emery recurring uh, Graveyard Hate. So I think at least in one game I, I got uh, the Soul Guide Lantern and Emery going and just like uh, getting rid of your Rectors and then like uh, responding to the trigger with the uh, Graveyard ex Exiling. So many angles of attack there and uh, and of course post-board uh, all the Force of Wills uh, the, does amazing wonder against the, the Planeswalker suite. So it felt like a fair deck. I agree on that. Yeah, and we're talking about that as well, because uh, with the Saga uh, being such a commonly played card in, in so many sort of various types of old and new decks, Soul Guide Lantern sort of shouldn't be that super powerful against my deck, because I have just, I can just sort of recur more answers of the same, in a way. But since you play Emery, <laughs> in 8 cards specifically, Soul Guide Lantern becomes amazing, and it has been sort of known to be also powerful, of course, in, in uh, Welder uh, engine decks as well, because you can make that happen. So I'll see, I'll see what I can do. Perhaps it's time to play, I don't know, Nullrod or something. I'm definitely a big pro D the veil question you asked if you should play veil or not because the thing my philosophy when i put veil in a deck it's not to have a counter war blowouts it's to uh, when when i realize that i'm the haymaker deck like when i'm playing aluren if i'm expecting my opponent's best chance of winning the game being them forcing a, a four drop like in your case like a, a rector or something like that i really think that boarding in some veils does like a wonder and then again like you mentioned like pernicious deed is such a crazy good card if you're scared about playing against a deck like eight cast just blowing it up on zero the turn you play it out can feel really good or like end of turning it to get the chalice out of there along with maybe a seat of synod and uh, whatever else they might have it depends really on like how your board state looks but i really like veil in this scenario because yeah it it's just you're the haymaker deck and uh, you will put them to the test like playing it as a silence before you want to do your stuff is also really good yeah i was thinking about that as well like sometimes then again i could always also play silence <laughs> yeah that's that's true <laughs> is of course better yeah like <laughs> those scenarios when you 
like on turn three, just cast a Sylvan and they force it and you have that veil, like mm, you're just going to feel like a million bucks. So how do we feel about uh, this week's um, testing in this post-Ragavan world? Are we going in any specific direction? I mean, I talked a bit about sort of what I'm thinking about, but uh, what about you, Robin? Do you feel that you have uh, additional avenues to explore in the short term? Absolutely. I mean, I've been really high on 8-cast. I guess the problem is that in our very small meta at the local games store, if you show up with 8-cast and do well with it, you are going to face a lot of of, uh, artifact destruction. So I think that um, for that kind of play, I think that Depths is actually a better deck to bring. But uh, I am very high on playing 8-cast. I think it has a vintage feel to it. It's so fast out of the gates draws a lot of cards having the best answers in the game in in force of wills and force of negation so I, I really like that deck what about you christopher yeah I'm, I'm really excited about this this new meta and like the change is sort of small but the change it creates is really interesting like i mentioned uh, i've mostly been playing blue red delver uh, which is uh, not a deck that I'm super familiar with. I've played a, a lot of Delvers in the past, but this specific version, it's super interesting to see how the different uh, like blue-red players uh, approach the deck nowadays. Like, are you going to play 13 frets or are you going to put two like young pyromancers in there? Like, There are a lot of different ways you can go, which is super exciting because I really enjoy having a strong Delver in the meta. Having a strong Dace deck to face is extremely fun even if it's something like uh, doomsday which is doing something extremely unfair with their daces <laughs> which hard like some people would argue like yeah they saying a free drop is unfair as well but i really enjoy like having a tempo deck putting some pressure on the like free cmc tribal decks out there but then again like from this week i got pretty beat up by that <laughs> by that cmc free matchup but i'm gonna i'm gonna try some young pcs again and uh, see how that feels but besides besides that i'm really interested in just playing some some discard spells again i'm looking at bringing ant for my first uh, first day legacy just to you know yeah i think our meta has too little storm in it so maybe just put some people to the test and, you know, I'm not super <laughs> a super good uh, storm pilot, but sometimes, you know, if people are rusty in the matchup, you might not have to be Brian Cook. So what about you, Victor? I mean, my thoughts are that I'm sort of... Uh, I mean, while I'm thinking that my objectively best bet would just be to keep playing reanimator and, and trying to adapt to whatever type of uh, disruption i might be facing on every other week sort of the the, the strategy that would most likely get me <laughs> any any wins but i am also looking sort of at what happens in the world in this past week and when you do that death and taxes is looking pretty nice as well so i think if i with everything that's going on right now in the world and in the local world, if I get down this week to the LGS, it's probably going to be with Death and Taxes. So that's the avenue I've been exploring the least in the last couple of months. So I think I should get back on the DNT horse.
Right, it's time for us to once again gather the Basic Land Connoisseur panel this week to look at which basic lands fit in Esper Vile. Christopher, why don't you go first? Tell us about your lands. So when I'm thinking about Esper Vile, I'm thinking about mages and wizards and stuff like that. You know, it is a Vile deck, but it's playing... It's probably the most efficient meddling mage deck. It's playing... You know, uh, from time to time, Baron, uh, you can throw in some Vencers in there. For me, it's, it feels like a wizard mage deck. So when I'm approaching the basics, it's kind of where I'm coming from. So there's islands, plains, and swamps in the deck. So to start up with the island, because of course I'm blue bias. So when starting with island, I picked uh, an onslaught land. Uh, by Tony Scudulio. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna hear about that maybe. Um, version 335, and it's it's this coastline. Um, you can see some cliffs. There's some water in it, and then there's this lighthouse or tower uh, just standing there, which feels you know like these old wizard uh, cartoon movies like on top of that uh, tower a wizard is just reading through scrolls and doing shit like that and that's exactly what it feels like when they are starting to get their like soul herder on uh, on recruiter fetching another wizard kind of thing going uh, it's just they're visiting the the wizards <laughs> which are just chilling out in that tower but overall, I think it's it's a super iconic island. I've always liked this one. It's it's just um, kind of cute. It looks very cartoony as well. Like it's not drawn super realistically, and it's uh, it's a really nice one for me. Also, like the deck is uh, mostly like blue white, and uh, with a with a light black splash. So I wanted the the non-black lands to be kind of bright. The planes that I picked was uh, Mark Poole uh, from Dominaria, actually, uh, version 253. And this this was kind of like a weird pick for me because it's it has this like kind of stone hedgy object in the middle with some sort of circle crop around it which just looked uh, extremely magical. And uh, out of the white decks, uh, miracles and stuff included, this feels like the most wizardry deck uh, for me. And uh, this picture looks supernatural. And also the skyline kind of gives, gives off some vibes of uh, Soul Herder. And, uh, you know, those colors, I, I really dig this. And, like, this feels like the greeting place where all of the creatures in this deck just start snowballing. Like, the more that shows up, the power of this, like, circle increases. And it's getting more magical each time a flicker happens. And uh, the last pick is the Swamp. And I picked uh, an Odyssey classic by Rob Alexander, version 341. And it kind of represents the black splash for me. It's, you're not looking at 
too many black cards. Like you're not really running discard in this deck. You want to utilize those vials. So this is the Baleful Strix and Plague Engineer land. But I don't want it to be too dark. So it's still pretty light. It's a bit darker than the other two lands. But I think this picture, it feels like where Baleful Strixes could hang out. I mean, they're artifacts, so they might get rusty. <laughs> but uh, it it really sets a mood of the mystical wizard mage thing that I was talking about. Like, it's a really thick mist. And uh, I just think it it fits together with the other two. They're kind of, kind of all in the same kind of mood. They're all quite tranquil. So those were my picks. What do you think? I love the strong dedication to your wizard theme here. I mean, looking at the first uh, land you talked about, the uh, the onslaught, the Odyssey Island by Tori Skudzudlu. I'm butchering that as well. It feels so Ursula K. Le Guin, Wizard of Earthsea. I mean, I think this this um, artist must have taken inspiration from from that because this just screams Wizard of Earthsea at me. Of course, a Stonehenge. Uh, I mean, it's not a very subtle reference either. It's just basically a, a different version of interpreting Stonehenge in these planes by Mark Poole. And Mark Poole, of course, is, is a classic. And this very sort of discreet <laughs> wizardy swamp. I think it all fits beautifully, beautifully together. I think this works really well for me. Yeah, I really like how you like made a, a composition here and uh, some quite like meticulous choices of, of lands that fit well together. Um, I'm... I'm not. There's something about the planes that I don't like. I'm not sure if it's like the border or something like that uh, that rubs me the wrong way. But the if you look at just the painting, it's it's a really nice planes. And of course the the old school basics uh, are looking really gorgeous. So great choices. What about you, Robin? Where do you have us? I only picked two lands. <laughs> I didn't find a fitting planes. So this is up to you listeners to like find a good land that matches these two but to me Esper Vile Kate might be like the soul herder might be the mage deck but to me it's the drake deck this is the gilded drake deck where you steal your opponent's creatures and give them a lousy 3-3 that you're going to return to your hand anyway and uh, if you take a look at uh, Gilded Drake, it has some really cool art, in my opinion. It, it's it's a weird-looking mage and a weird-looking drake uh, that they are hanging out. And uh, it's painted by Bob Eggleton. So uh, I searched up to lands from Bob Eggleton to see if they would accompany this drake well. And uh, I do indeed think they do. The first one is a swamp from Mirage. It's number 341. And uh, it's a yellowy looking swamp, so to say, with a little bit of green, hazy background. It looks quite toxic. Maybe the drake could reside in this swamp, who knows. And uh, the other one is actually one of the, is it APAC lands? Yeah, it's uh, APAC uh, Island, uh, Japan. Yeah, it's the Miyoto Iwa Japan Island. And uh, this is like two uh, like solitaire cliffs in the in the sea bounded together by like a hanging bridge and a sort of temple on on one of the islands. And uh, 
Both these look like they might be painted with uh, oil paint, question mark, and uh, sort of have the same feel to it as the Gilded Drake, and uh, quite nice looking in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I think both of these are, are really slam dunks. I really think the like all of the APAC uh, lands are just gorgeous. And I think overall, like the swamp really feels, like you mentioned, kind of Gilded Drake-ish, like <laughs> they snag it, but also fits well with Baleful Strix. Like the card art is quite bright uh, in that. So I really think these two choices are really good. And uh, when you challenged our listeners, I actually, I saw these two and I was like, ah, maybe there's this really good Tempest planes that could fit these. So I actually put in our show notes, uh, Tempest version 332 by Therese Nielsen, which I put in there, which kind of looks like similarly in how it's drawn. And uh, I think it's uh, just a majestic piece and it, goes really well together with the two you picked Tourists and appreciation club i think this match as well uh, but also I, I love that you committed to gilded drake and found basic lands painted by the gilded drake artists uh, that's uh, that's a phenomenal concept and that's a, a method of choosing your basic lands that we haven't i think touched upon previously and i feel challenged to use this method uh, for future lands basic land connoisseur panel discussions to see if you can make because this really fits like this works and i will give you a thumbs up for the planes immediately it has a real uh, sort of not good feeling about it like there's something going on something is about to happen uh, and it's not something good so that's how i usually feel when i play against espravile so really captures <laughs> that feeling looking at this therese nielsen planes if someone had just shown me the art and said this produces white mana what do you think it is i would have gone dead sure for like this must be some type of dual land because this does not only feel like it gives us white mana but then of course espervile in my view and i'll get to that in a second i think that's a really corrupt deck and this is a very corrupt planes so um i can see it yeah it's from the same set as wasteland and you all know how fresh that land looks Victor, lead away. Yeah, so for me, I love how your, your interpretation of, of what Espervile is. For me, Espervile is like an automaton mechanical deck. Like, because we have Ethervile, which of course is from Mirrodin. And whichever art you choose uh, for your Ethervile's, it's going to be a very sort of techno, automaton, robot y type of thing. Uh, very sort of i don't know because it's not steampunk it's it's something else it's like mechanical fantasy i don't know and then i got to think and uh, and i so i see the same thing in the one card that, that defines espervile for me which is soul herder because i don't see it as a card that's played anywhere else and it feels just like this big spindly sort of mechanical scary creature that sort of walks on its weird legs and grows and grows so i wanted to find lands that represented that mechanical feeling and i turned to the extremely recently spoiled kamigawa neon dynasty for this because it's a very techno-ish art direction and i picked out three lands that i uh, did think looked well together and these will have number 284 286 and 288 and only after choosing these 
uh, lands, I found out that they were all made by Adam Paquette, uh, who we've had featured quite a few times here on the Basic Land Connoisseur panel as perhaps the best newer land artist uh, of the game. I had no idea he had painted all three of these, but he had. And first, the planes is uh, you're sort of looking out at this metally technofied Japanese style, almost like a village, but you have these weird platforms. It's difficult to discern, is this in the sky? Is this, on, is this a sort of a planes on the ground? Are these supposed to be sort of modern gardens? You don't really know, but it has a very techno-ish feel to it that I think harkens back to Mirrodin, as does the island, which has these sort of metally artificially built sort of small hills from where you have these tiny waterfalls almost but they go in weird shapes is it even water are these just digitally rendered images of water to imitate nature uh, in a very artificial way but I, I find it interesting regardless i have to look more at this picture to sort of try to discern what it actually is here but I, I love it as an interpretation of what an island is and then the swamp has more of a neon city feel to it that's probably the one that's sort of most obviously a street corner on in the neon dynasty kamigawa setting with neon lights uh, you have one sort of darkish samurai figure towards the back of the street uh, under red blossom trees but again very very techno technic roboty feel uh, for this so uh, yeah i mean obviously controversial choice here because these cards aren't even able you, you can't procure these uh, for a couple of weeks still but uh, i think they fit really well into what i interpret the soul of esper vile to be which is the other vile what do you think i really think I like your interpretation because the vial is such an integral part of that deck and uh, the matchup where they have the vial and start like chaining together all these value cards is quite different from the one where they struggle on mana which they sometimes do especially when they are fetching all of the basics. So um, when it comes to newer art I am a big fan of Adam Paquette as well. I think all these three are quite quite good looking. The island is a bit like you don't really know what you're looking at, I feel, but the planes is is, is really awesome and uh, sort of depiction of that dark uh, back alley in the swamp is really cool as well. So I like those. I'm not the biggest fan of that new border lands, uh, but uh, I mean, th that's how lands look these days. But I think the like the art art uh, goes together very very well and and it captures the feel of at the wild yeah i really i really think that these are some very cool picks and uh, like you mentioned the vile part it's like the glue that holds the, the deck together and all of these uh, lands are super cool and i think one cool thing about the whole uh, like all of the basics that has been showed so far is the duality between soul and technology um so it's kind of like neon dynasties like the duality uh, what what is the word of dualism body and mind technology and uh, all, of, all of the machines and the vehicles and then you have the soul which uh, lives uh, by by like hand in hand and uh, it's funny because paquette actually made all of the technical ones like the uh, the machinery and the uh, fresh ones and uh, 
uh, another artist made all of the other ones. So it's kind of like a. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's like they're uh, cooperating or if they're battling it out in art in art world. But uh, yeah, Adam Paquette really knocked it out of the park. I I think all of these are super cool, and uh, I especially like the planes because it looks like this ma- massive cogwork, like a big clock or something like that. Everything is like round in shape. It looks like cogs are holding them together, but not really. And it's super interesting composition. It it really gives a good feel for what what to expect from uh, from this world. So I really enjoy this. Yeah, I mean, both the plane and the, and the island also has a type of art that we haven't really seen. Like this is innovative interpretations of of islands and plains i mean of course a swamp as a street is sort of not common but the street we've, we've done city city landscapes we have ravnica in you know six or seven times and 85 visits to Innistrad in, in various shapes and forms where you have townships and so on but this this plains and this island is just i've never seen anything like this in the magic the gathering art i definitely agree and I think the, the swamp, uh, depending on if we get cool ninjas in the set with, uh, you know, cyberpunk feel about them, maybe this swamp could be a strong contender for some ninjutsu players out there. And since this is a Adam Paquette appreciation podcast, um, I, I freaked out when I saw one of the basics that he made, uh, which was the mountain in this set. And... Uh, we just wanted to give a small Adam Paquette a bonus shout out for this mountain, which I think is absolutely gorgeous. What do you guys think about it? I mean, yeah, it looks really cool. It's this uh, sort of uh, village on top of the of, of, of the mountain, and it's a little bit of snow in it, and quite this red hearth uh, color, like there's a a fire going on, something like that. Um, uh, it's it's a really nice picture. Yeah, I mean, all of this, uh, I mean, next week we're going to have the full set spoiled so we can talk about which cards we might actually want to play outside of these fantastic basic lands that we're talking about. But I have to say they are really, at least to me, it looks like they really are doing a great execution of top-down design from an art perspective here. I mean, I don't think that the dualism that you mentioned, Christopher, the interplay with these technical and soulful basics that's not by chance. No, of course not. And and since it's not by chance, I think it's great to see again how they manage to keep innovating the art direction. I mean, of course, they don't always get it right, but when they get it right, I'm thinking about these. I'm thinking about the Caldheim Snow Basics. They're having some. They're doing some really good shit right now in that respect. So high five to that. And one one last thing, just that I wanted to say about this mountain, which I really, I think is the thing that really blew my mind because it's, it's up in a mountain and mountain is usually the place of the like tinkerers or barbarians uh, style of things. And this compared to a lot of the other lands uh, besides the forest looks a lot more analog, but it's still like technic, like they still have a, a lot of technology but due to how it's lit up, this is like it's completely snow covered without being a snowland, but it still looks warm and cozy. And for the cozy factor, it's a 10 out of 10. 
And that is all we have for this week. We do hope that you enjoyed this episode and would love your perspectives. Come join the Discord server and contribute link in the episode information. In the Discord server, you'll also find the deck lists of all the decks we talked about earlier in the podcast. If you like it, what you've heard, uh, feel free to let us know. That's great. We like feedback. And even better, tell someone else, spread the word about us. In addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter uh, at STHLM Legacy. We are also present personally on some social media as well. Robin, where can listeners find you? On the Discord server. You can find me on the Discord, but as well at MonolithMTG on Twitter. And I am on Twitter under at DiscoDrogo. And that is the end of the 35th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Seal and Christopher Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening. The amazing Frenes has written their music. Check them out on Spotify. Until next time, dark steal yourselves.